Let us welcome Reverend Julius for this opportunity to share your word with your people we pray that Holy Spirit you'll be here to minister to us in the name of the Lord Jesus thank you that no word from you will fall to the ground and that those of us who are on the ground will be lifted up to this morning, thank you, the Lord. We will see the glory of Jesus. Thank you, the Lord God. You will help us so that we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Oh, Gagae. Gagae. We thank God. Prezi, how do you say it? Every soul is what? A soul is a soul. Your roommate is a soul. Your coconut seller is a soul. So we must win them. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I get very excited anytime I come here because I believe that you are doing very well. Hallelujah. I came with uh, one of my disciples. Genia, are you around? Oh, okay. God bless you. Very passionate for Jesus. I hope you also came with someone. Those of you who didn't come with anyone, no breakfast for you. This morning, we are looking at the subject, Come to Jesus Now. Come to Jesus now. And you know that it is an invitation. An invitation to come to Jesus. And there is something urgent about that invitation. He says, don't come tomorrow, come now. Come to Jesus now. And I know that often when we are giving an invitation or an instruction, many of us want to understand why. Why must I come to Jesus? And why must I make it now? And so this morning, I have three main reasons why you must come to Jesus, why you must come now. Three main reasons why anybody in the world, whether he's a president or a laborer, whether he's old or young, three main reasons why they must come to Jesus now. And if you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus, I'm going to give you three reasons why you must come to Jesus now. And if you are here and you know Jesus, I'm giving you three reasons why you must persuade others to come to Jesus now. Please turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. Please look with me to verse 35. One day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat just as he was. Other boats were there with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind. And the waves were breaking over the boat so that 
the boats were already getting filled up. Jesus himself was in a stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Three reasons why everyone must come to Jesus now. The number one reason is because Jesus is supreme in the way he fulfills prophecy. Jesus is supreme in the way he fulfills prophecy. Number two, Jesus alone satisfies the test of the human soul. Number three, Jesus alone provides safety in your storm. Why must anyone come to Jesus now? Because number one, Jesus supremely fulfills prophecy. Number two, Jesus is the only one who satisfies the longings of the human soul. Number three, Jesus alone provides safety in your storm. So let's look at them. Number one, why must anyone come to Jesus? Why must that roommate come to Jesus? Why must anybody, people from Islam, people from Buddhism, why must they come to Jesus and come now? It is because of the uniqueness of Jesus in the way he fulfills prophecy. Friends, when we speak about Jesus Christ, many people begin to think that we are comparing pizza and jollof and you decide which one you want to eat. When we speak about Jesus, people think we are comparing two football teams, Man United and Man City and you decide which one to choose. But I came to announce you this morning that when we compare Jesus and all other religions and religious leaders, there is no match at all. Listen to me. Jesus fulfills prophecy in a unique way that makes every other contender not match up at all. The mathematician John Stoner tells us for any human being to fulfill 48 prophecies 48 the probability for you to fulfill 48 prophecies the probability for me to fulfill 48 prophecies is 1 over 10 raised to the power 157 when you go back use your calculator to calculate 1 over 10 raised to the power 157 and you realize that that number that will appear will not happen if anybody wants to fulfill 48 prophecies in this life it can never happen but when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't fulfill 50 prophecies. He doesn't fulfill 100 prophecies. He doesn't fulfill even 200 prophecies. There are 324 specific prophecies about him that he fulfills in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus Christ is uniquely above every other leader. Listen to me. None of us sitting here gets to choose where we will be born. Is there anybody here who wrote a letter to their parents and told them, when you are ready to give birth to me, make sure you give birth to me at the University of Ghana Medical Center. No one chooses how they will be born, who their parents is. Your parents did not choose you. You did not choose your parents. Nobody has the ability to choose their parents. But 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 714, 
prophesies that the child, Jesus Christ, will be born by a virgin. In Matthew chapter 1, the verse 18 to 20, indeed, a virgin was with a child and brought forth a son, and his name was Jesus Christ. Number two, no one chooses a place where they will be born. But 600 years before he was born, Jesus Christ was prophesied by Micah in Micah 5.2 that he will be born in Bethlehem, even though that was not where he came from. And where the time was due, a decree had to be made by the government of the time so that his parents could be located in the place of Bethlehem so that he will be born and prophecy cannot be broken. Number three, Jesus Christ was prophesied to have a forerunner. Isaiah prophesied 700 years before his time that before he comes, someone will come ahead of him. Isaiah 40 verse 3, Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. Jesus Christ, before he arrived, the Bible says a group of people went to John the Baptist and asked him, are you the Messiah or we should expect another? And John alluded to them and said, I am the voice of the one who calls in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. I am the forerunner of the one who is to come. Number four, Jesus Christ, it was prophesied that his own friend will betray him. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 41, the verse 9, he says, He whom I put my hand in a sample has betrayed me. And the Bible says in Matthew 26, the verse 49 and 50, when Jesus Christ arose, his old friend, Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the Pharisees and asked, How much will you give me if I betray him? A friend indeed betrayed him. Jesus Christ, his birth, his death was prophesied. The Bible tells us that the amount of money that they would agree on to sell him. You see, the amazing thing is that the Pharisees hated him. But in going into a transaction with Judas, they agreed that they would pay him 30 pieces of silver. Little did they know that Zechariah chapter 11, the verse 12, had prophesied that the Messiah would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. The Bible tells us that it was prophesied in Exodus chapter 12, the verse 46, that none of his bones will be broken. The Bible tells us on the day when Jesus was crucified, they came, they broke the bones of the thief on the left, they crossed over to the right and broke the bones. And when they came to Jesus and were ready to break his bones, the Bible said they realized he was dead. And so they pierced his side and water and blood came out so that you and I can be cleansed. Not a bone of his was broken even when he was dead. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 9 to 11, Jesus is death and resurrection was prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before he existed. You see, the amazing thing is this. By the time Isaiah was writing and the Psalms were writing, crucifixion was not yet in existence. But when you read Psalm 22, the verse 16, even how he would die was prophesied Yes, before they invented crucifixion. And when Jesus came, crucifixion was in existence and they crucified him on the cross. I tell you that there is nobody in history, living or dead, who can match Jesus when it comes to the fulfillment of prophecy because he is supremely unique. Come to Jesus now. Listen. Jesus is unique in the fulfillment of prophecy. But number two, Jesus is unique in his life. Listen to me. Jesus knew he had a few years to live. And if it were you and I, when you know you have 33 years to live, I'm sure you would have started ministry at the age of about 10. Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30. 
For the first 30 years of his life, all he did was carpentry. Even though he knew his mission, he was never in a rush because he's Alpha and Omega. Beginning and the end, he, he needs not rush in life. The Bible tells us that this Jesus, after he was baptized, the father announced him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus spent three years. He did not choose the most influential people of the time. Jesus chose fishermen, tax collectors, and other non-entities. But by the time he was living, when he had trained these people, when they went to places, the Bible said people looked at them and said that the people who have turned the world upside down have come here. Only Jesus can take non-entities and transform them into world changers in the name of Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus, while he was alive, he never built a house. But there is no Christian home today where his name is not mentioned. Jesus did not have an army. But today he leads the largest army in the world. A group of 2.4 billion Christians all over the world. And he's the captain of our salvation. Jesus Christ did not have a, a, a degree. But there is no academic theological institution where his name and his, his lessons are not learned in those theological institutions. I present to you that Jesus is uniquely different. Listen to me. When Jesus came to the earth, there was a law that says that when you touch a leper, you get unclean. Jesus came. He touched lepers. And instead of becoming unclean, he cleaned the lepers. I tell you that today, if there is anybody here with a spot of sin which has disqualified you, at the touch of Jesus, you will be transformed. Listen to me. Jesus is uniquely supreme even in his death. The lords of this world thought that they were going to destroy him. They killed him thinking they would silence him. But even though nobody spoke up for him, when they crucified him and killed him, nature, nature started rebelling against them. The sun stopped shining because the light of the world was dead. You see, the, the earth started quaking when he took the blood of Jesus, there was an earthquake. Even the veil in the temple of the Jews could not stand. It had to part so that the Prince of Glory would go through it. I announce to you, dear friends, that Jesus Christ is uniquely supreme. When he was buried, they made sure there were soldiers around. They put a big stone at the entrance of the grave to prevent them from going to get a dead body. But the Bible said, on the third day, Jesus rose up from the dead and the stones were removed. Not so that he can come out, but so that men and women can go inside and testify that he's alive forevermore. I announce to you, we know the burial place of Buddha. We know the burial place of Confucius. We know the burial place of Muhammad. But Jesus Christ, for 2,002 years, nobody has been able to show us that this is where he is. Jesus is alive forevermore. And I always say, if you are traveling a path and you go to a place and you realize that there are two ways. On one of the ways, there are people who are all dead. You see their dead bodies there. On another way, you see someone standing and say, this is the right way, come. Which of the ways will you take? You see, all religions can show us the dead remains of their leaders. But I tell you that Jesus Christ met John in the book of Revelation and says, I was he who was dead, but now I am alive forevermore. Jesus Christ ever lived to make intercession for you. If you are looking for someone to commit your soul to, run to Jesus and run now. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. Number two. 
Jesus alone satisfied the test of the human soul. Only Jesus can satisfy the test of the human soul. I have some friends here. So when I see my friends, I have to wave them. Hallelujah. Now, every single person sitting here, there is a longing, a desire for satisfaction in your hearts. There is a vacuum in every human soul. It was St. Augustine that said, you have made us for yourself and our souls are restless until they find rest in you. I remember how about five years ago I was preaching in front of Summer Hall Annex. It was 5 a.m. And I was preaching and I was saying that, listen, there is somebody out there. You have emptiness in your heart that you desire satisfaction. And many of us have been trying to use various things to satisfy the hunger within. And I said that. And shortly after that, in about four minutes, I saw a guy around 5 a.m. just coming out. And when he came, you could obviously see that he was drunk. At 5 a.m., he was already drunk. He came and knelt in front of the hall and said, man of God, it is true what you are saying. There is an emptiness within my soul. I've been trying. I've tried women. I've tried alcohol. But the more I try, the more empty I become. And I told him, there is a, a, a ship in your heart. Nothing in this world can fill because the Bible says God has set eternity in our hearts. You see, there is eternity in every soul. And only the eternal one, the Lord Jesus Christ, can satisfy that vacuum of eternity in us. There is a void in every soul. Religion has been trying to satisfy the void in the human soul. The multiplication of religion in our world is man's attempt to satisfy the void, the emptiness in the human soul. They tell us if you can travel to a holy site, maybe you'll be okay. They tell us if you can pray a certain number of days, maybe you'll be okay. And people try and try and try and they are still empty and void. The world comes in and says, I will help you. Maybe what you need is more pleasure. They go to the clubs, they go to the parties, and they come and when they are alone, they are still empty within. There is a void in every human soul. People tell us you can achieve it by great and, and excellent academic performance. But I tell you, there are times you collect all A's or whatever, and yet the celebration only lasts one week. There is a void in every human soul. People try to satisfy it with position. Listen to me. There is no position in this world that will truly satisfy you. You will still be left empty. Why do you think that these people in Nollywood, Gollywood and Hollywood still commit suicide? All the fame and the popularity, their faces everywhere, yet there is that emptiness in them that nothing in this world can satisfy. But the Bible says one day Jesus was going to a well in John chapter 4. The Bible said while he was there, a woman came to him and it was noonday. It was strange in that culture because women go to fetch water in the morning but this woman came at noon probably to avoid being seen by anybody she has lived a life of shame the bible tells us Jesus saw this woman and said woman give me a drink and the woman said how can you a Jewish man ask me a Samaritan woman for water but Jesus looked at her and said woman if you know who it is that is asking you for water you would have asked him and he would give you living water and the woman said in verse 11 said 
there where can you get this living water and Jesus said I tell you whoever drinks of the water of sex whoever drinks of the water of popularity whoever drinks of the water of fame and riches and power will be thirsty again but the water that I give the water that I Jesus I give it shall become in you a well springing up unto everlasting life listen to me that woman knew something she knew that unless she gets the living water every day she has to carry her bucket to some kind of well to try to fetch to satisfy her soul she has been married five times and the man she was with then was not her husband everyone has proved to disappoint her and i tell you that all the wells of the world have no water that can truly satisfy your soul but i read that jesus said i will not give you a cup of water i will not give you a bucket of water he that believes in me a well springing up unto everlasting life will be planted in you and in John 7 the well graduates into a mighty river the Bible says on the last day of the great feast Jesus stood up and shouted with a loud voice if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink for as scripture has said he that believes in me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water and I announce to you that when Jesus satisfies the soul he does not just give enough to satisfy you he gives you more than enough so that you can flow into the lives of others and this morning I see someone sitting here Jesus is satisfying the hunger and the emptiness in your soul so that you can become a channel to help others also become saved hallelujah praise the Lord listen Every one of us go to some well thinking we will get water. Some of us, it is relationships. Relationships. I remember how seven years ago, one lady, name we held, came to me and said, Sir, I feel there is something wrong with me. And I said, What is wrong with you? He says, I am 24 years. And throughout my whole life, not even one man has told me any word of compliment. And I'm worried that I may never get satisfied. All I need in this life is for someone to come to me and say, I want to take you out even if it is for just one week. That evening, I arranged a date between her and the Lord Jesus Christ. And her life has been satisfied ever since. I don't know what emptiness is in your heart this morning, but come to Jesus now because he alone can satisfy the emptiness in your heart. Years ago, Solomon tried to experiment with all the things you've been longing for but which you cannot afford. There are some of you guys here, you have received one bouncing after another and you would think that if you can get into a relationship, if you can grab, you will be satisfied. Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. At the end, his conclusion was vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. You are looking for opportunity you can't get. He had all the opportunity experimented and wrote down so that you will not go the same path. He tried entertainment. He tried all kinds of things. And yet, he was empty. He was empty. Jesus Christ is the only one who truly satisfies. I met him 18 years ago. And friends, at the time I met the Lord Jesus, my life was on the path of destruction. 
At the age of 11, I tried smoking. At the age of 14, I tried drinking. At the age of 15, I had three girlfriends. At the age of 16, I wasn't eating from home because I had people who would give me food and money and everything. Until that day, when I met the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, in all these things, I was still empty. But when I met Jesus, it's been 18 years. I've never once regretted my decision to follow Jesus. Number three, reason why you must come to Jesus and come to him now. I said he is the only person who can give you safety in your storm. Listen, life has storms. Even lives that has Jesus in it can face storms. How many of you have heard of the Titanic? Good. Listen, the Titanic was built in 1912. It took two and a half years from 1909 to 1912 to finish. 3,000 workers worked on the Titanic. 3,000. At the time, the Titanic had the most, thank you, had the most safest features in the world when it comes to the marine world. The Titanic was the largest, safest, most advanced ship that was built at the time it was built. It had 16 watertight compartments. What that meant is that if, if water entered it, those 16 spouts could, could shut air and hold the Titanic from sinking. It had a swimming pool. It had a bar. It was the luxurious ship. On the first day, 10th April 1912, when it took off, there were 2,000 555 people aboard on the Titanic. 14 of them were celebrating their honeymoons. When the Titanic was completed, someone asked, how safe is this Titanic? And the vice president of the project looked at the journalist and said, it is so safe that not even God can sink it. The Titanic is so safe that not even God can sink the Titanic. When it left, there were music. There were all kinds of entertainment on the Titanic. And then ships started sending them telegrams. Telling them that the waters are full of ice. They should be very careful. The captain kept ignoring the signals. We are safe. We are safe. Nobody in their right senses could have ever thought the Titanic could sink. It was impossible. And on and on and on and on they went. Until finally, the Titanic hit an iceberg iceberg and the iceberg cut the Titanic and in two hours 45 minutes the safest ship that was ever constructed at the time sank and went to the bottom of the ocean the unsinkable ship sank he said that it was so safe not even God could sink it but it took only two hours 45 minutes for an iceberg to sink the Titanic and it sank. But you know friends, years before, 
the Titanic ever sank and hit the iceberg. There was another small boat which we read about in Mark chapter 4, which was also going through a storm. It didn't have watertight compartments. It didn't boast of the most advanced technologies. But the Bible says when it went to the storms, that little boat did not sink. Why? Because the captain of the sea and of the land and of the air was inside that boat. I tell you, that was the unsinkable ship. When Jesus is found in a life, they may go through the valley of the shadows of death, but they will never sink. Why? Because the captain, the Lord Jesus, is in that life. Listen to me. Life is full of storms. Being a Christian does not prevent the storms from coming. It only keeps you safe in the storms. On the 15th of July, at 2 p.m., my wife gave birth. We celebrated that child. On the 16th of July, the next day, at 8 a.m., the child died. And the following day, I was to preach at Pensa the topic, does God really exist? And the devil thought that he can hold me out. He can hold me back. He can keep me down. But you see, Jesus is in my life. That storm came. It has passed over me. He has kept me secure. My foundations were not shaken. And I tell you that no other religion grants safety. No other religion grants assurance when you are going through life storms. Listen to me. When you are going through a storm, Buddha cannot be by you. When you are going through a storm, Muhammad cannot be in you. But when I'm going through a storm, I have Christ in me. And my, that is my hope of glory that I will not be buried in a storm. Listen. Every single thing indicates that Jesus Christ is the only one who can grant you safety when you are going through your storms. I don't know what storm you are going through this morning. I don't know what is happening in your world. But I came to announce to you that Jesus is supreme, uniquely supreme. Jesus satisfies the test of your heart. And Jesus alone provides safety for you when life storms come over you. This morning, I present to you Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And I invite you this morning to come and bow before him. To come and surrender your life before him. There was a man called Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was a missionary to the Oka Indians. The day they landed, five of them, to reach out to these Oka Indians in Ecuador, it was said that they speared them, they killed them. And they found his notebook. And he had written his devotion for the previous day. He wrote this. He is no fool. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, his life, in order to gain what he can never lose. Friends, this morning, if your soul will be safe, it has to be given into the hands of the one who says, I know my sheep. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And no one, no storm, no pain, no devil, no demon can plug them out of my hands because the father who gave them to me is mightier than every other person. This morning, come to Jesus. Some of you have been in church for a long time playing religion and you do not know Jesus for who he is. This morning, take the step and come to Jesus. Come to him. Come to Jesus. Please bow down your heads with me. Thou welcome 
that calls me unto thee for clay sin in thy precious blood that flows on Calvary I
opportunity please rise up on your feet as we pray this prayer god bless you Restoring fresh pitch 
is opening your life this morning the Lord is opening up a fresh page in your life the Lord is restoring the Lord is restoring broken lives are being mended in the hands of the great porter broken lives are being mended 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 in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning you are going through a storm it seems your world is shattered life is confusing everything seems meaningless your family may be going through a storm you yourself may be going through a storm and this morning you want to say Lord Jesus be my security be my safety if that is you you too rise up on your feet. If you are going through a storm, God bless you. You are going through a storm. Peace, 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 peace,
Jesus. 